Red-haired weirdos, short-haired weirdos, vandals, hooligans. The government of the government love. The government of the government love. The government Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. Hey, everyone. So you might be wondering, why am I talking to a photographer? It's kind of an unusual interview for The Politics Guys. And in fact, at first, when I was approached by the publisher, I thought, well, why would I want to do this? And what would I possibly have to say to Lawrence Jackson? But I was curious, and so they sent me the book. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I realized there was really a lot here, and it would make for what I think would be a pretty interesting interview. And I hope you agree. You know, for a lot of reasons. For one thing, I was just recently when we saw those images of, for instance, the uh, situation room under Trump with the raid on Baghdadi as compared to the Trump or as compared to the Obama, I'm sorry, situation room with the raid on bin Laden and how different those images were and the power of those images, what they say about those presidents and those, you know, administrations. And of course, White House photographers play a key role in helping to shape those images, whether it's, you know, a cool, no drama Obama or the sort of tough America first Trump. Not only that, but being able to talk to someone who had regular access to the president really kind of gets us behind the scenes in a way I don't think we usually do. And so I was interested in talking to Lawrence Jackson for that reason as well, to get more of a sense maybe of what the president was like as a person, uh, some of what he saw as the demands of the job, and of course the toll that the job of president takes. And finally, I was just kind of curious what it was like to be a White House photographer doing that job for, well, the entire Obama presidency. So I was really, in the end, very pleased that I got a chance to talk to Lawrence Jackson. I think it made it for a great interview, and I hope you enjoy it. My guest today is Lawrence Jackson, an official White House photographer in the Obama administration. He's just released a beautiful book of photographs and stories about his time with the Obamas called Yes, We Did, Photos and Behind-the-Scenes Stories Celebrating Our First African-American President, which we'll be talking about today. Lawrence Jackson, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, I, I think the place to start maybe is talk a little bit about the job of, of White House photographer and, and how you get that job, because I, I got to believe it's it's one of the most sought after jobs in in photo, at least news photojournalism. So what does it take to, to get a job as a White House photographer? Um, well, you have to kill somebody. <laughs> uh, no. Um, so basically, once the uh, administration, once the president's picked, he chooses his or her um, communications director or their press secretary. They then uh, find a photographer to be the chief photographer. And usually it's someone that they've worked with in the past, maybe on a campaign, or there's a personal relationship between uh, someone on the campaign. And in the situation with Pete Souza and the president, uh, Pete covered him as Senator Obama for a number of years, and then he covered him a little bit during his campaign in 08. So once you are uh, chosen as chief photographer, then it's up to you, uh, to the chief photographer, to choose his or her staff. And 
And I knew Pete in D.C. just because I was working as AP photographer and he was working for the Chicago Sun-Times. So we had a, a bit of a relationship. And you mentioned in the book that you actually uh, had to take something of a pay cut from your AP job to work at the White House. And so I, yeah. I imagine there might have been some conversations surrounding that. And in the end, what was it? Well, was it worth the pay cut? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I have to give credit to my wife because, um, you know, I told her when I got the job offer that, hey, look, you know, this is a, a significant pay cut and I'm not sure if I should take the job. And she looked at me like I was crazy and said, <laughs> you will take this job and I will go back to work, but we will make it work. And uh, and and it did. Yeah, I, I guess it's just being able to be there for for history, really, as, as it was unfolding, that has to be just almost priceless, really. It, you know, um, the, the further I get away from that time, uh, the more special it becomes because I realized um, he was a very special president and she was a very special first lady uh, because their intentions were always good and they were always trying to help people. And, and then on top of that, just being the first African-American president, you know, there's so much pressure, you know, when you're a president, but just to be the first one of anything, there's even more scrutiny put on you. So I realized early on um, that this would this was going to be a special ride, and it was. Now, how many White House photographers are there? I know there are a lot of pictures, so I got to imagine there's a, 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 I don't know, a sizable staff, or what are we talking about here? Uh, we're talking uh, five photographers. Okay. Uh, there's the chief photographer, and then there's the uh, assistant chief, and then there are two photographers. Uh, so there are four photographers that cover basically the president and the first lady, and then one photographer covers strictly the vice president. Um, so we would produce about uh, 9,000 images a week as a staff. And at the end, I think we're 4.2 or 3 million images. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of pictures. Now, uh, this this obviously right is not a nine to five sort of job. No, no, it's um, well, it's you know, I there were there were moments in which I was a blur in my own household. Uh, <laughs> I will admit, yeah. but um, it was a pretty good schedule for us. We would uh, we'd have this thing called nights, weekend, and travel. So if you uh, so Pete was always with the president most of the time. And so that required a second person to be uh, the secondary shooter for most events. And that secondary shooter for the week would be in, uh, responsible for any nighttime events, uh, for any travel with the president or, or any weekend work uh, that involved uh, going out president golfing or whatever. So that left the other two photographers with somewhat of a life uh, every two weeks. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it reminds me, I talked to uh, someone else in the Obama administration, and they had a phrase, uh, it was uh, uh, living the dream, which was sort of code <laughs> for, I'm just totally wiped out, but this is amazing, yeah. you know? Yes, I remember that, that, that phrase quite well. Yeah. So, obviously, that there was a, a pretty significant time commitment, but what, what do you, was that the toughest part of the job, or were there other, you know, particular challenges in being a White House photographer? Um, the challenges were, I mean, I think, I mean, for photographers, you know, if you cover an event in the East Room, 
um, if you covered one event, you've covered a hundred events in these rooms. So there's that, you know, you have to spice up the, um, the right. coverage somehow. You just have to break that, that monotony of person speaking at the podium, uh, handing an award off or something like that. So I would, you know, some days I'd go into the East Room with a uh, long lens and a short lens and kind of nothing in between, or I would try different positions, um, or, you know, sometimes I would use different lighting for uh, uh, departure photos or, or photos in the Blue Room, you know, just to always try and, you know, break up the monotony of what we, what we usually shot. <clears throat> I, I wanted to ask you about some of the pictures because it was a uh, it was a, an amazing book in in that sense. Some of the pictures were just breathtaking to me, and it's it's tough at least for me to talk about uh, to talk about photographs because obviously it's a visual thing. But there are there are at least a couple of shots I hope we can talk about because they're the ones who, that really stood out to me. And there was one that I, I am literally literally gave me chills when i saw it uh which one it, it was the one uh of uh the president and his family walking across the edmund pettus bridge uh, there was the that big mm. crowd to commemorate yeah. that the 50th anniversary of those of the civil rights marches and i don't know there was something about that shot that just even thinking about it now i don't even have it in front of me just kind of gave me chills and yeah. uh, could you could you talk a little bit about about that day and about that that shot well, yeah, I mean, it was, um, I think I said in the book, it's probably one of my top three or five speeches uh, that I've witnessed by uh, President Obama. And because the way the speech, uh, when I'm taking pictures, I, I'm hardly listening to what the president's saying. It's right. really tough to do both. Yeah. And in this particular situation, I did find myself listening more than I was taking pictures. And um and then I guess one of my favorite parts about that photo uh, of them crossing the bridge is if you look, you've got the uh, freedom marchers, you know, some of them are in wheelchairs at this point. Um, and then you've got the president and first lady, and then off to the left, you have uh, Sasha Malia. You've got uh, three generations yeah. of people lined up and, you know, one was the uh, forebearers and they, they took the beatings, they took the, the water hose, uh, the two, you've got, you know, the president of the United States and the first lady who are, you know, the shining example of, you know, um, what, what a good president and first lady would do. And then three, you have the next generation of, of Americans, you yeah. know, people who are going to, you know, take this country forward. So, um, yeah, that, that speech that day, that, um, uh, Everything was really, I just thought was really special. And, and to me, the, the, the weird part is I wasn't even supposed to be on that, that trip. I was supposed to be in another photographer, coworker of mine. Um, but Pete said, well, I'd be remiss to not have the only African-American photographer right, on this trip. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad he did that. I, I, there was another picture I really like, a totally different sort of picture here, but uh, it was the one you took of the, the president and the first lady reading Where the Wild Things Are, the kids at the <laughs> Easter egg roll. I mean, that was yeah. a, the, the president is making this kind of, I don't know, it's just that really that really caught my attention, too. Right, right. Well, it's and it's a story that they read. I think they read it every year of the Easter egg roll. 
And if you're a parent of young ones and you've not read that book to your kids, um, you need to get on that immediately. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they just, you know, um, they're just so expressive, so committed, so into uh, the thing that they're doing, especially with kids. Um, it's just, you know, I was great yeah. to, to cover them. Well, that was one thing I loved about the book is it, it, it wasn't just the standard sort of historic moment shots, but there mm. was this feeling of actually really kind of getting that intimacy that, uh, that really kind of made me feel like I was kind of there behind the scenes. And I thought that was just a really great aspect of the book. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, and, and I guess you, you mentioned the, the Obamas, obviously, a number of times. And, of course, I, I can't believe we've gone on uh, this long without me asking the question that everyone wants me to ask, of course. <laughs> That's, uh, what are they like? Uh, what, was your, what was your impression of them? You know, it's probably, you know, I think the top three questions are, how did I get my job? Um, what's it like to fly on Air Force One? Yeah. And then the top one is probably, what are they really like? Yeah, how could it not be, right? <laughs> right. Um, so the the answer is, and I think the question is more interesting than the answer, because people see them on TV and interviews and whatever, and they're so drawn to them, and they're so um, enamored by them, that they think to themselves, wow, they cannot be like that in real life. Right. And um, and I, I think I write in the book, uh, I know I write in a book that he talks about, I talk about their authenticity and, and how they handle people and how they handle most situations. Um, and it, it, it can't be faked. It can't be, you know, imitated. You know, yeah. they are who they are. So what they're like on when the camera's on is not that far off from what they're like behind the scenes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I can tell you, a dozen stories where they're trying when they're in a meeting and the first question is, you know, is this policy helping people, you know, or mm -hmm. you know, how can we make things better for people? And that's, you know, it's, it was, they are as genuine as they appear to be. Now, I, I love when you're talking about people meeting the president or the first lady for the first time. And of course, that's the sort of situation where almost anyone would be kind of racked with nerves, at least regular people, certainly. Right. And, right. And, and there's this great story you tell in the book about how every once in a while you, you'd mess with them <laughs> a little bit. I don't know if you could kind of tell that story, because I love that one. Well, um, I think the story was in the Blue Room. And um, so sometimes you do a lot of group shots or portraits in the blue room with the president and first lady. And we usually, usually have the group set up waiting for them to arrive. And then we take the picture And this one particular group. Uh, this woman was just, you know, she was just nervous. You know, I could see in her face how nervous she was. And uh, sometimes I like to have a little fun with the, with the guests and I'll say to them, or, or they'll ask me, they'll say, you know, is there anything we should know before the president comes in here? And uh, I'll say to them, I said, well, you know, don't look them in the eye too long. <laughs> and uh, if your hands are clammy, give them, offer them a fist bump and not a, you know, a handshake. Uh, and some of these people see that I'm joking. And then some people just don't see it at all because they're so caught up in the moment. And uh, yeah. So, but uh, the, the Obamas were pretty good at putting people at ease, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, they would walk into a room, uh, they would try and shake everyone's hand, you know, there'd be small talk, you know, they were great listeners. Um, if, if, if they didn't put you at ease, it was not because of them. It was just because they were, uh, the person was just too overexcited. Yeah. Yeah. And And I've seen people cry. I mean, sobbing just because they're overcome with emotion for meeting them for the first time. Yeah, that, that's got to be, that's got to be, I guess, difficult to, to deal with. But I guess they, they, they experienced it so often that they kind of developed a way of, of approaching people who are just kind of overcome by, by, the, by the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you mentioned in the book that because you, you saw a lot of President Obama, including, you know, behind the scenes when the other cameras were off, I guess, is, is that he's a, a very focused person. And I imagine I'm trying to think about being in a situation where someone's almost always taking your picture or recording you or trying to kind of grab onto some of your time. And I would imagine that that focus is extraordinarily important in a president. It is. It is. And um, I thought about this a lot. And and from the day one, he was this focused uh, person. So I don't think I think he's always been like that or it's something he, he developed early on in politics. But I remember times when I would be crawling around on the floor during an interview, trying to get a, a good shot of him. And this is, you know, live taping and, uh, it just did not disrupt him at yeah. all. I mean, he just, uh, he just carried on. And I, I remember when I was working, uh, for the AP covering the Bush administration, he would, uh, he hated, those things. He hated any type of movement or anything going on while he was reading a teleprompter. I guess it's the sort of thing that uh, you have to get used to pretty quickly as president because your entire life is a, a series yeah. of distractions, basically. Yeah. Um, it really is. And, and along the same lines, you commented on how amazing it was, how he could switch gears in like an instant, you know, one second he's in the situation room. And then, then a minute later, he's talking to whatever the teacher of the year, you know, honorees or something like that. And, and that strikes me also as a very uh, unusual and incredibly important skill for someone in the president's position. It is, it is. And, you know, I, I talk about, um, you know, like you said, the situation room and, um, the next minute he's in the Oval uh, Office Teacher of the Year. And in the beginning, I thought that, you know, his uh, steely glaze or his often, often uh, looking in the distance look was, you know, something that I had done or something right. that Stafford had done. And it just, it, it occurred to me that, you know, it's not us that's the problem. It's, you know, it's whatever that's pressing on his mind at that moment is what's drawing his attention. Yet he has to be at this next event for that event. And he's got to be, you know, uh, he's got to be on point. He's got to be focused. He's got to be ready. Yeah. So, you know, watching them, you know, evolve into the position of president and first lady, uh, was, was a real treat because you could see their evolution from day one to the last day. And it was, it was, it was like a, I don't want to say like a butterfly or a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, but it was really just a, a really nice way to see them develop. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the kind of the development, because of course you were there for the entire 
presidency, which gives you kind of a, a unique perspective because a lot of people with the president, you know, are only there for a few years and so forth. And and so I'm wondering, you know, I, I look at the first pictures, of course, and then there's, you know, young uh, Barack Obama, and he looks so kind of fresh and new. And, you know, there's a lot of non-gray hair. And then at the end, <laughs> the, the pictures are a lot different, obviously. And so I'm wondering, right. do you feel like uh, the job, you know, kind of wore him down or changed him or, or anything like that? Uh, what, what, what's your impression of that? Well, I definitely think the job ages you. Um, I mean, he got gray hair and I got gray hair too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, you know, I think the pressures of the job, <clears throat> President Obama used to say all the time, he says, uh, when a decision comes to his desk, it's not an easy one. Yeah. All the easy ones are, you know, taken care of below him. So, um, yeah, I think it, it takes a toll, but at the same time, I think I mentioned in my book that, you know, he, he would always make the best decision possible. And, and he felt, I think you take comfort in the fact that when you make a decision, you know, if you're answering these questions, like, am I helping as many people as I can with this decision? You know, is this, you know, does this, you know, lessen the burden or something on other people or, or whatever the question would be, uh, he's asking the right questions. And I think if he gets enough of the right answers, he's, he's made the best decision he, he or she could make. Yeah. You know, that reminded me of, I think it was a, a quote from, it might've been Valerie Jarrett about how sort of this, the, the position kind of revealed the character of Barack Obama. I seem, I seem to recall really, as opposed yes. to changing him in any way. Yes. So, yeah. and it's I really like that. Yeah. Uh, so, well, for you personally, what were your kind of you know few highlight moments? Obviously, there are there are a ton of them, but when you think back, there there have to be a couple of moments that just stand out. I, I would imagine, and maybe you could you know talk about those a little bit. Hmm. Well, you know, um, it it, it kind of harkens like you know picking my favorite photo um, yeah. of of the my eight years. And I really can't pick just one photo. Uh, but I think when I think about the moments, I think about the quiet moments in which I kind of pinch myself. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that could be, you know, we're on air force one, we're flying to the other side of the world. It's an overnight trip. And, you know, I wake up and I like my job, I'm flying to some country in the middle of the night on air force one. I mean, I would never imagine in a thousand years when I was a kid that I'd be in that position. Yeah. And it's that, you know, or when I'm <clears throat> in the Oval Office and I'm setting up a light and no one else is in the room and I'm, you know, I'm imagining, you know, John F. Kennedy in this room, Richard Nixon in this room, uh, you know, just presidents of days gone, years gone by that, you know, there was so much history in that room alone that it, it, it quiets me in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, it's not, I mean, I could pick, tell you pictures that I love, but you know, it's those moments in which you find yourself in and you just take a moment to appreciate uh, the moment. Yeah. And I, I'll tell you one, and this is kind of blends into one of my favorite photos. Uh, it's in the book where the president has just given his second inaugural uh, address and he's gone up the, uh, the tunnel back into the Capitol, but he decides to stop and turn around and go back and look at the crowd size just one more time. And you could just see on his face that he's appreciating the moment for what it is. 
And it's one of my favorite photos. Now on the kind of flip side of things, I'm trying to put myself in in your position in a way. And I would feel, I think, a certain uh, pressure, to put it lightly, and the idea that I would ever do anything that would that would kind of piss off the president, what have you, would be kind of my worst nightmare. Did, did you have any, if, if maybe not nightmare moments? I remember at one point in the book, I think it's you ask somebody, have you had your first anxiety dream yet or something <laughs> like that? So yeah. did, did yeah. you have any moments that were worthy of those anxiety dreams? Um, yeah, well, there's one instance and it was, uh, we were doing some portraits in the Oval Office and um, the we had finished taking pictures and I started breaking down my lights and um, I guess someone had forgotten to have their picture taken and the president said, Lawrence, can we do another picture? Oh, you set the lights down or you, you, you've taken the lights down. It's, no, it's not enough time. And I said, no, sir, I can, I can do it in two seconds. He says, okay, let's see it. And I got it up in two seconds and we took the picture and he, you know, uh, he appreciated the fact that I kept my word and making, you know, keeping him on schedule. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had anxiety dreams. I've, I've, I've had my camera run out of, uh, card space or, um, I've ran out of images on my card, mm-hmm. my camera. Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I've had to change batteries, you know, in front of the president. You know, I, I think I've done every probably mistake that <laughs> possibly could be made. And he's, and she, they both have been great and very, uh, uh, easy going about those those foibles. Says even you know the, you mentioned they were kind of very easy going and understanding about that, but but also right President uh, President Obama's famously competitive, uh, and that's something. <laughs> I mean, you you saw that in more than a couple of occasions, right? Yes, yes, he is. Um, um, he's an amazing trash talker on the golf course. Yeah, um, and you know he he will he will take an opponent and this is you know a friend and he will analyze everything that they're doing right there and make fun of them or try to get them off their game and uh the trash talking goes uh usually goes both ways but not really on him that much <laughs> yeah um uh but at the end of every golf uh every at the end of every match he's uh they're shaking hands giving hugs and uh, they usually pose for a picture at the end oh that's cool so did the job, I actually think the job changed uh, President Obama and how you saw those changes. But what about what about you? I, I can't imagine that you can work in the White House that closely w- with the president and first and first family and not be changed in some in some way or other. So could you talk a little bit about how the job maybe changed how you view politics, the presidency, that sort of thing? Well, um, the biggest thing I noticed about uh, politics is being uh, on the spotlight of politics. Um, you know, I think the, uh, the president was uh, happy to talk policy on any sub- subject. Um, but, you know, when people are talking about your family or talking about, you know, uh, your dad jeans or your tan suit or, you know, yeah. whatever else, you know, that. That's, you know, that's stuff that really just is distracting. Yeah. So, but for me, um, what, uh, what I learned about politics is that it's personal. You know, when you're talking about healthcare or talking about, you know, something that changes people lot, people's lives, 
and you go to a city and, you, and you're meeting the people that are affected by this uh, and you see it up close, uh, it just told me that politics, it's personal. It's, you know, it affects people's lives and it makes changes, you know, for good or bad. Um, and it's important to, to try and get it right. Yeah. And, and I, I would guess also, you know, earlier you mentioned the president saying, well, that, that easy decisions don't get to his desk. And, and I, I would imagine that in the position you were in, you probably had much more of an appreciation than almost anyone as to the incredible stress and strain of making all of those difficult decisions just consistently over the course of eight years. That's, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, you know. Um, Vice President Biden used to say he had a, a spine of steel because of some of the decisions he would make. Um, and uh, I just, I was always in awe of his calm, his um, his resilience, you know. You know, he was, there's a president who, when there was a success, he shared it with uh, his entire staff. Um, you know, in healthcare, uh, the health, the ACA got passed he had all the staffers up in the uh, Truman balcony, you know, celebrating, you know, the, the decision or the, the law being passed. Yeah. And then when it's, you know, something that's, uh, you know, there's a failure or there's a mistake, you know, he takes the blame. He took the blame um, for, for mistakes that, you know, that, you know, as a leader, you take the blame for. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just, you know, I really can't say enough about uh, his style of leadership. You know, he cares about the people that work for him and he cares about people that he's trying to help. Yeah, that's awfully important. Now, once your time was done in the Obama White House, you did something really kind of cool, I thought, is you conducted this survey of what was around 300 former White House staffers. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I really uh, was interested in that. So maybe you could talk a little bit about why you decided to do that and more importantly, you know, what you found. Um, why did I decide to do that? You know, it's really funny. I think uh, the first uh, month and a half after leaving the White House, I did very little. Um, but I would see, um, you know, former coworkers at the White House uh, on the different places around town. I mean, D.C. is really a small town if you think about the circles that you travel in. Yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, the big question was, how are you doing? You know, what are you doing now? Um, do you miss it? All this, you know, all this kind of like four or five questions I would ask everybody. And I was getting a kind of a range of of responses. Some people were like, oh, you know, I miss it so much or, you know, no, I'm, I'm doing this great thing now. And I, you know, it's because of this, you know, my time at the White House, this has, you know, been great for me. And it just got me thinking that's like, well, um, well, let's, let's do a survey. Let's, you know, let me reach yeah. out to as many White House staffers as I know and see, you know, what they're doing, how they're doing. And if they miss it, if they don't miss it. So it was just 10 questions. And I sent it out to I think 300 people, and was, I'm pretty sure it was all through LinkedIn. Um, and the responses were, uh, they were across the board, but they were really, I'm not sure if you know about this, uh, I think it's, I can't remember the, the survey that I used, but it, it aggregates the most popular words that mm -hmm. are used in the, uh, in the questionnaire. Right. And I think one of my questions, like, you know, what was the biggest takeaway from your time at the White House? And 
the biggest words that came out were, you know, sense of family, sense of mission, um, just, you know, uh, pride, uh, yes, we can, just all these, you know, really positive uh, words, uh, affirmations of their time at the White House. So, you know, I took, I sent the survey out and then I posted results and the feedback was just tremendous. People were like, thank you so much for doing this. You know, I miss these guys or, you know, I was really surprised by, by, by the response. Yeah, it, it was, uh, well, based on the pictures in the book, I mean, just so clearly it was, uh, uh, well, an obviously memorable experience. And, and like I said, the pictures were, were beautiful and I, I so enjoyed the book. I'll admit, I, I come from things from, from the left side of things. That, and as I mentioned to you uh, before we got on the air, that uh, it made me miss the Obama presidency even more. So in a way, I, you know, I curse you, Lawrence Jackson, for making me feel even worse. But anyway, that's, that's a, a whole other story. But thank nope. you. Thank you so much for, for this book and for taking the time to join me today to, to talk about it. Michael, thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We hope you like what you heard. Listener support is what keeps the show going, and we truly appreciate it. When you become a monthly sustaining supporter of the show on Patreon, you don't just get our gratitude, you get a supporter's exclusive bonus episode each and every week. Also, supporters at various levels can get additional bonuses like Politics Guys gear and access to a special supporters only Facebook group. To learn more about all this stuff, go to patreon.com slash politicsguys, or you can visit our website, politicsguys.com slash support. Subscribing to the show also really helps, as does sharing episodes. Word of mouth is, of course, the best advertising, and we really would appreciate it if you tell folks about the show. Leaving reviews and ratings on whatever podcast app you use is also greatly appreciated. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at mail at politicsguys.com. There's also our Facebook page where you can message us and we're reposting things throughout the week. It's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. Finally, we're on Twitter at politicsguys. The executive producers of the Politics Guys are Bruce Johnson, Wilma Moreno, Benji Fishman, and Andra Mask. Today's show was produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Saturday. We hope you'll join us.